Morning, everybody. Wow, it is good to be back here. I love, I love Sundays. I love coming here and just being here with everybody and worshiping together and singing together and preaching, to be honest. So uh, um, I just have a few quick announcements and, uh, and then we'll dig right in. So one is, uh, if you are new here and you haven't had a chance to meet with me or my wife and I, please do not hesitate to reach out and contact us. This is my email address. Um, shoot me an email. We'll set up a time. We'll get together. I'll tell you everything you want to know, probably more than you want to know about the church, about us, um, and just, you know, take a, take some time to get acquainted. So don't hesitate to, to call me. Um, I wanted to also make a quick announcement about volunteers. A number of you have indicated your interest in volunteering. So this week we're going to start putting together like a list, a master list and start calendaring things and plugging folks in to uh, opportunities to volunteer. And if you want to get involved and you haven't indicated that to us yet or, or you're not sure that we know that on your little connection card, just put your email address and put, you know, volunteer or something at the, at the bottom. And um, we will make sure that you get contacted to, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, a lot of our ministries, we, we need like a few layers deep of people to, to rotate out so nobody gets burnt out and it's nice to be able to plug people in um, and help out. So uh, the baby care announcement that we made last week, a number of you signed up. We've got a couple here that are going to have a baby December 1st-ish. Uh, and so we, <laughs> we can't guarantee you it'll be on December, but... Uh, yeah, so um, a lot of people have signed up. Um, Susan is heading up a ministry where people are making meals. And so after that baby is born, um, uh, families will deliver meals to, to their house. And if you'd like to get involved with that, please put also on your connection card, baby care ministry or something like that. Turn that in, to put that in the, uh, the basket during the offering and uh, give us your email and, and we will plug you into that. Um, there will be other opportunities to serve. There's gonna, we're going to start doing membership classes here soon. Uh, we're going to start having some other events. We're going to do a men's event coming up here pretty soon. Um, so there are a lot of things that are just now getting, you know, uh, started as we start here. I will tell you this is our ninth week uh, of being a church here at U City Family Church. Um, so we're getting, we're, we're getting it dialed in. Um, uh, before we begin the service today, I'm going to have Charles Hope will come up. And uh, read the passage for, um, I better leave this microphone high for you, Charles, uh, for the service, and then we'll come back up and preach. Good morning. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was on the shore facing the sea. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, this occurred. Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on a rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up right away since it didn't have deep soil. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it didn't have a root, it withered. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce a crop. Still, others fell on, a good, on good ground and produced a crop that increased 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Then he said, 
Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. When he was alone with the twelve, those who were around him asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been granted to you, but to those outside everything comes in parables, so that they may look and look, yet not perceive. They may listen and listen, yet not understand. Otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They are short-lived. When affliction or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately stumble. Others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the ones sown on good ground are those who hear the word, welcome it, and produce a crop, 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. So this is the parable of the sower. This is one of the most famous parables in the Bible. Many of you have probably already heard this parable or read it at some point. Um, it is uh, one of the very few parables. Jesus tells about 40, depending on how you count them, about 40 parables uh, throughout the scripture. He interprets about two of those parables. And this is the one, one of the ones he interprets. Most of them, he gives you the parable and you chew on it and mull on it and think about it and try to figure it out. And eventually, you know, you, you, uh, you incorporate it into your life if you can figure it out and, and roll with it. Uh, but this one, he says, I, I love how he addresses his disciples. He, he literally says, look, if you guys don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of the rest. And that could be read a couple ways. One, it could be read as him saying, you guys are morons. And uh, this is the easiest parable of all. You should get this. Uh, but I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he is saying is this parable describes the texture of your heart. This parable teaches you how to have the kind of heart that is receptive to everything else I'm about to tell you. You know, we've been going through the book of Mark, as, as, as any of you have been here, you know, uh, over and over know. And this is the first time where we get a systematic teaching by Jesus. Up to this point, it's been him, you know, healing people, uh, casting out evil spirits, getting, you know, back and forth with the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, uh, he's just been going around, you know, fasting out in the desert. This is the first time where he goes, all right, I'm going to start telling you, I'm going to start telling you what I'm, what I'm here for and what this is all about. And so he starts telling these, these parables, um, talking in parables was a very common method of teaching, uh, among rabbis in the first century because it was compact. It was memorable it incorporated the physical surroundings and the circumstances of these people's lives in a way that would uh, declare sort of spiritual truths. And you could, you know, these guys were an agrarian society who he was talking to. These were all farmers. These were all people that were intimately related with the soil. In fact, their livelihood, their very survival, depended upon a good crop. 
So these were people that when you started talking about hard soil, shallow soil, crowded soil, you know, fertile soil, they perked up because they knew that their livelihood, their survival, their, their, their whole lives depended upon good crop. Uh, so that's why he would tell these stories in, in parables. Um, today, we don't, are not that acquainted with the soil. I was thinking the other day about how often we actually touch the ground. Um, you know, Jesus and, and, and his followers, they wore rope sandals. They walked from, they walked through the field. We had a uh, scripture a couple of weeks ago where they were walking through the field and they're like grabbing the, you remember they're grabbing the, the heads off the wheat and they're eating it. Um, they slept outside often. They, uh, there are certain passages that we've read where they say, you know, Jesus was out in the desert 40 days sleeping outside. I mean, these were people that were intimately connected with the soil. Unlike us, we put on socks and we put on shoes and they have like a rubber or a leather sole. And then we walk out of our house and we're on cement. And then we get in a car with rubber tires and we travel to our place of work. And then we get out. I mean, there are, you could go a month without ever actually physically touching the ground, especially if you don't rake your leaves like me. Uh, much to the chagrin of my neighbors. No, just kidding. Um, but you could, you could go for weeks without touching the ground. So this soil metaphor, although I think it resonates with us, um, it, it really, really deeply resonated with the people um, that were listening to Jesus. Uh, what is also fascinating about parables is he, t- he says in this scripture, in one respect, their purpose is to reveal truth. Okay, he uses them to reveal a spiritual truth. In another respect, he uses them to conceal truth. Um, that, and that's the very interesting passage right in the middle, right between where he tells the parable and then he interprets the parable. He tells his disciples, he says, you know, they say, why are you talking in parables? Well, because, you know, I'm talking in parables so that they don't know what I'm talking about. And you go, well, why, why don't you want them to know what you're talking about? And if you remember, you know, the context in which Jesus is telling this parable is the context where a number of people are coming to check him out out of curiosity. There have been thousands and thousands of people coming to hear Jesus, as we know from the previous weeks. Some of them are coming out of curiosity. Some of them are coming out of a deep, genuine yearning, a longing for understanding and spiritual understanding. And some of them are coming to find a hook upon which to condemn him. Some of them are coming to go, they're looking for that gotcha moment. You know, it's kind of like during elections and the journalists are just hoping that somebody will screw up so they can go, ah, you know, and then they can run that over and over again and ratings go through the roof. But um, G- so, the, so some people are coming to say, I want to find that moment where Jesus says something where I can show, I can point to that moment and go, ah, you know, you see this guy is a false prophet. So Jesus is saying, look, for the people that are coming for a genuine a genuine purpose. They want to learn something. They think they might be able to, to grow. I want to reveal truth to them. But to those people who are coming to just try to find a way to, to nail me, I want to obscure the truth from them until their heart changes and they become receptive to the truth. That's why he talks in these parables. Um, there are other places where Jesus says things like, do not cast your pearls before the swine. And what he's saying is, don't, you know, don't, don't reveal the truth to someone who is just there to try to, to nail you with it. I mean, don't, don't waste your breath is what he's saying. And so I think that's what he's doing in this parable is being very careful to reveal a truth that people who want to learn will learn, but people who don't want to learn 
they won't they won't get what he's saying. Um, in Proverbs, in Proverbs four, it says, "Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life." Jesus says to them, and I, this is why he translates this parable. He interprets this parable because he says, "Look, I need your heart to be in the right condition." Because the condition of your heart determines your receptivity to everything else I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to interpret this parable because I want your heart to be in the right position. I want your heart to get the right texture, the right depth, the right, uh, you know, uh, get it in the right condition where I can speak into it and it's receptive. So I'm going to interpret this one for you because upon this one, all of the others hinge. Does that make sense? Where he's saying, you know, get your heart right. And then I can, I can do parable after parable after parable and you'll roll and you'll get it. Um, so he talks about four kinds. It's called the parable of the sower, but really it should be called the parable of the soil. I mean, it's really not so much about the sower. It's really about the soil. And he talks about four different kinds of soils. He talks about the hard soil, the shallow rocky soil, the crowded soil, the soil that's crowded with thorns, and then the deep and fertile soil. I want to use a, I want to use, I'm going to tell you three stories today um, because I want to use a, a, a metaphor to, to talk about this parable that is a little more uh, familiar with all of us than farming. Um, I do love farming. I, I bucked hay out in, uh, in Idaho when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm intimate with, uh, with uh, heavy bales of hay. Um, but, but I don't think most of us here are farmers, uh, and some of us are gardeners. I do know that. Um, Tamara is a, a fantastic gardener. Uh, but I still want to use a metaphor that I think we all will connect with. And so I want to use the metaphor of relationships. Has anybody here ever been in a relationship of any kind? <laughs> um, some of us have been in relationships. Some of us are in relationships. Some of us were in relationships. Some of us have been in relationships that we wish maybe we shouldn't or didn't get into. Uh, but unless you are five or younger, I think you could probably say that you have had some familiarity with relationships. So I want to tell three stories about three individuals, the names of whom have been changed to protect the innocent, but who to me demonstrate these, these types of soil. Now, look, I want to say this, two things right out of the gate. One is all of us have probably experienced at some point or another all four of these types of soil in our heart, okay? So it's not, I'm not saying that it's a permanent condition. All of us have experienced all four of these types of soil in our heart, okay? And the other great thing about this passage and about these stories is that Jesus tells this story with the express knowledge and the express intent that a person's heart can change. Okay, so he's not saying if you're a person with a hard heart, that's who you are, that defines you from beginning to end, and you'll never be able to be receptive to me. No, he's saying people have a hard heart, but that can change, that can be changed. So I want to tell you three stories uh, about these three different types of hearts. Number one, the hard heart. So I have a friend, and uh, it's not me. I uh, know I have a friend that I've known for many, many years. This guy is, he's a smart guy. He is uh, a really capable guy, good-looking guy. 
I've known him for many, many years. Um, he's funny. He's cool. He's fun to be around. Uh, but as long as I have known him, he has ha he has been his relationships have been colored by his inability to be receptive, to be open. He is harsh, and he's he's kind of mean actually when it gets right down to it. And as his buddy, you know, a lot of times if you've got male friends, or you know, if you're a woman, you have female friends. A lot of times. You know, your, your friends kind of speak into your life, and they can go, hey, man, you know, wh why are you acting that way? Uh, but with this guy, you cannot really do that. You can't do it on the issue of relationships because he's really touchy about it. Uh, and as long as I've known him, even when, when we were teenagers, uh, when his interactions with women were very uh, – they were, I, I can't even really describe, I don't want to keep saying they were hard, but they were. I mean, he just was, he was unwilling to compromise. He was not receptive to listening to, to, to their point of view. Uh, and he just was a kind of a bully, to be honest. Um, it wasn't just that way with one of his relationships. It was that way with all of his relationships. And pretty soon, as his friend, you know that that's just a blind spot. That's just a spot that, like, we can talk about everything else. We can talk about sports. We can talk about movies. We can, you know, we can talk about whatever we want, run around, have fun, have a good time. But that's the area you just don't touch. You just leave that area alone because he's, he's going to kick back if you start. He's going to, and I don't mean kick back like he's going to kick back. He's going to kick you back if you start to talk about that. Um, as we grew up, uh, you know, he went through a number of relationships where, you know, they just, they just wouldn't work. I mean, I remember there were occasions where, where some of us would be riding in the car with him and him and his girlfriend would be in the front and they would get into an argument and it was literally like, Hey, should we pull over and maybe let's go to McDonald's and us people in the back will get out and you guys just go ahead and hash this out because I mean, it got brutal up there. You know, it's like, man, we shouldn't be hearing this, you know. Um, long story short is he, he, he took many, many years. Uh, he ended up dating a girl for dozens of years. Um, they finally got married. Uh, I remember even at his wedding, he was talking about her in a way that did not sound loving and intimate and sweet, you know. Uh, it was harsh. Um, they're married. They're still married. They have a child, but they're very estranged, estranged from each other. Their relationship is arm's distance. It's actually longer than arm's distance. They don't live together. They're, they are married, you know, technically, legally, but there is just no intimacy. There's just no reciprocation. This guy's heart is classically hard. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be stuck that way, but I just want to use him as an example. His heart is hard. The shallow heart. I don't know if you know anybody like this, but um, my wife said I could use her friend uh, uh, as the example here. This, there is a friend of my wife's who has, she loves to be in relationships. Absolutely loves that first flush of a relationship. That first rush of getting to meet, have you, did anybody know anybody like that? Where you, they love the very, the introduction, the possibility, the hope, the excitement of, wow, where could this go? 
And then literally within a month, I mean, like all of their friends are going, wow, this is the one. She really means it this time. This is awesome. She's going to marry this guy. And then like a month later, it's like, oh, no, who? That guy? No, that's over. Well, what, 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 ha- what happens is that when the relationship requires a little bit of work, requires a little bit of understanding, requires a little bit of reciprocation and a little bit of like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. You know, let's, let's try to work on this. That's not the part that interests her. She's not interested at all in working on it. She is interested in starting it and the feeling and the emotion and the excitement of the very beginning of the relationship. But it just has no roots. It has no roots. And so when it, when the trouble time comes, when the guy says something that kind of, you know, is bends her a little sideways, suddenly she's on the phone saying, you know, well, this guy is not what I thought he was. He's not all cracked up. And, you know, she's gone through a number of what I would say pretty good guys. And there's a trail of tears behind this woman, you know, because these guys, they get into it too. They go, oh, yeah, this is working. They're excited. And then all of a sudden it's like she's, her heart is withered up and gone, and she is moving on. And, and somebody else shows interest in her then, well, man, she's going to move on to this one. And you just kind of know there in the back of your mind, you go, man, this one, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this one's going to stick, you know. That's what Jesus is describing here with the rocky, the, the, the shallow, rocky soil. He said what happens is the seed falls into there, and because there's not a, a real depth of soil, that sprout pops right up immediately and is visible. And it flourishes immediately. And you go, wow, look at that beautiful plant. It came up in two days. But as soon as the sun comes out, and you know the plant needs the sun, but if it's not buried deep enough, then that sun will just scorch it and it'll burn it up because there's no roots and it will blow away. Uh, The third story is about a couple. And uh, this is the, they they sort of exemplify, or they used to exemplify, there's a very good ending to this story, but they exemplified the crowded heart. Um, This couple, uh, he was an executive, still is, and very busy, but a great guy. Excellent. He was an executive and was one of these guys that if you run a company, you want this guy because at work he is on. They would send him to stores that were not doing well, and he would go in and just spend time with people, get to understand the process, get to understand what was happening with the store, and before you know it, he would turn that store around. It would be productive, and it would be doing great. Um, He traveled a lot, uh, and he loved his job. He loved his family. He had two two kids and, and and a wife, and he loved them, but he was just always occupied with his work. She was... Uh, a great gal, but all, and she did a lot of really good things. She wasn't working, but she volunteered. Um, she did a lot of stuff at church. Uh, she would decorate the church. She would be there for every opportunity, every occasion. And there's, you know, believe me, there's nothing wrong with volunteering at church. We'll take all the volunteers we can get. But, but she allowed this, this sort of these commitments that she was making, she allowed them to take precedent over her relationship with her husband. They both did. Okay. And there was nothing, there was no infidelity. There was nothing, nothing bad. No bombs dropped on the relationship. It just started to kind of get choked out 
because there were too many things in their lives that took priority over establishing a deep and loving relationship with each other. And it wasn't long. They were both, they were both Christians. They were both, you know, there at church, and, but they just grew distant from each other. You know, physically they were together, but spiritually and emotionally they were just like they weren't there. It actually got to the point where she even began to express to, you know, some of the people at the church that she was just kind of done, that she just didn't feel it anymore, that she just didn't want to be with him anymore. Um, and they separated. They didn't, they didn't divorce, but they separated. And they just were going through this period where he was kind of living his life, she was kind of living her life. And that was what was happening. Well, one day at church, uh, at the end of the service, they were having prayer at the front, and uh, they, they weren't even sitting together at that time. I don't even know if they knew. It was a big church, and I don't even know if they knew that the other one was there. But they both came up, and they were uh, to pray at the end of service. And she was praying in one area, and he was praying in another area. And she would, she'd tell, she would tell you about it later, but she, while praying, felt a renewed stir in her heart, a desire for her husband. It wasn't like everything was fixed magically, but she at least felt that impulse, that draw, that desire to be back with him. She didn't know that he was praying up front over here. He didn't know that she was praying. But at some point during the end of the service, they saw each other. And they, they have a great testimony because they go, they go around and tell this story now. But they got together uh, and just made a decision. Look, we're going to start doing the work. We're going to start weeding out the things in our life that have taken precedent over our love for one another. And we're going to start doing the hard work of rebuilding this relationship. They were in love. They were madly in love at one point. They knew they could do it again. They needed to dig down into the soil of their hearts and get intimate once again. That story, I think, gives us a great deal of hope because it, descri- it, it shows that even though we may have the kind of heart that Jesus describes in you know, the, the, uh, the hard soil, the shallow soil, or the crowded soil, that we can create or we can cultivate our hearts such that they become receptive to the love of God, the word of God, uh, and a deep, loving, intimate relationship with God. Because I think that is what he's, that, that's what he really wants. He wants us to get deep with him. You know, it's interesting that the, the hard soil, the way he describes it in this parable, the hard soil is that soil that's right next to the path that's been trod upon. You know, when people are walking down the path, sometimes they'll step off the path or if they had the, you know, the uh, you know, mule or horses or carts or whatever was going down the path, can I get off the path? And that part, because it's been trampled on so much, is what, is what makes it compact and hard and, and, and impenetrable, okay? Um, but, you know, and that I think is what has happened, you know, with, with my friend who has the hard heart. You know, there were things in his life he had an alcoholic father. He had a lot of issues growing up with people that, you know, got stepped on, got hurt. And his response to that was developing a hard, impenetrable heart. Um, so a lot of us develop these different types of hearts. The, the, the girl in the, with the shallow um, soil, it's not that she's a shallow person. It's just that she's afraid. She's afraid of what happens if you get deep. 
because if you get deep with somebody, you can get hurt, you know, and you're afraid that, well, if I get deep, if I allow myself to get too deep here, I'm going to get hurt. But she doesn't realize that by not getting deep, she gets hurt incrementally over and over and over and over again. Each time one of these relationships dies, it just takes a little bit out of her. And in some respects, it has the reverse effect. It doesn't, it doesn't tell her that, yes, I need to get deep. It tells her I need to protect my heart and not get deep. And so she continues on this cycle, okay, of not allowing someone into her heart. How do we get the kind of heart that Jesus wants us to have? How do we develop that heart that is open to love, that's open to God's word that allows us to have an intimate relationship with God and ultimately an intimate and loving relationship with other people. I'm going to give you three things um, that that I think sort of exemplify along along with this parable what we what we need to get that heart. Number one is a plow. Number two is water. Number two is and number three is fertilizer. What is the plow? When I think of the plow, when I think of uh, our hearts and trying to get our hearts open to God. And I think of, you know, what we really need to do is get a plow in there and break up the soil, turn it over, expose the weeds, expose the rocks, expose those obstacles in our life that keep us from an intimate relationship with God. The plow is anything that opens up our heart and makes us available to God. And there's three things that I, that, that come to mind immediately. Number one is confession. James chapter five, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I don't know if any of you have experienced the absolute joy of 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 confessing your sin to someone that, you know, Now I'm not talking about just getting up and blurting it out to everybody. But but uh, they used to do that in churches. You know, you had to come up to the front and tell everybody your sins. We don't do that. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, but. But if you've ever had the joy of that, I mean, when I started to try to get my life together several years ago, uh, there were things that I was harboring in my heart that nobody knew about. Not one single person, only me. And, you know, the power of sin is in the secret. You keep that inside of you. You keep that buried down inside of you. It is going to it's going to calcify. It's going to harden and it's going to be 10 times worse than if you just exposed it. You just put it out there. You expose it. It's that you turn that, that plow turns over the the ground. There's the rock. And then you take the rock and you throw it out of the field, you know, but if you leave it in there, it's just, you, you can't, nothing could get, nothing could get into the soil. So if there's, if there's someone that you can be accountable to a friend, a family member, uh, um, you know, ministry leader, someone that you can go to and say, or a counselor, someone who's going to be an advocate for you. I'm not talking about somebody who's going to go out and blab their mouth because you don't need that, but you need some, somehow to confess the things that you're harboring in your heart that need to be, need to be opened up. And I tell you, when I was starting to get my life together, I did find someone like that. It was a minister. I, I, I said, I told everything. I told everything. And I tell you what, it was the most liberating thing that has ever happened to me. Just, just saying, well, okay, then I did this and then I thought that. And then I, you know, and, and it was like, the minister was like, okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's, that's normal. I understand that. They're like, really? You know, it was, it was just, it was just awesome to be able to expose that. Number two, uh, counsel, good counsel. Proverbs 15 says without counsel plans fail, 
but with many advisors, they succeed. The ear, listen to this, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof or life-giving instruction will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. You know, a lot of us don't want to listen to other people because we either have a problem with authority or we just think that we're smarter than everybody or we just think that, you know, what do they know about me? But you know what? I mean, it is absolutely liberating, absolutely um, life-changing to submit your life to the counsel of, of, of smart people and people that you admire and respect. I, you know, along that same time when I was trying to get my, my life together, I put, I chose 12 people, family members, friends, pastors that I knew, not, not necessarily people that I was, you know, uh, that I hung out with, but they were people that I admired, people whose lives I admired. And I said, for the next year, I'm going to, before I make any major decision, I'm going to go to these people and I'm going to get their advice. And I did that. Uh, and they didn't all give me the same advice, but they all gave me some advice and gave me something to chew on, gave me something to think about. And I listened to them. I listened to them and it was light. It was literally life changing. And now it's even, it's, it's funny because now even when I'm about to make a decision in my mind, sometimes I will call them. If I really don't know what to do, I'll call these folks, but I will also now I'm at the point where I go, well, I know what he would say. Okay. And I know what he would say. And so, you know, I start thinking about what they would say, and that does help to inform my decision. So counsel is another one of those things that breaks up the, the hard ground. Um, and finally, community. Community. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We strengthen each other. You know, we need each other. You, we all need community. We need uh, uh, to create relationships with other people that will be encouraging to us and that will help to, to advise us in, in the ways that are good. You know, it's easy to kind of run around with folks who want to bring you down or they're downers, and before you know it, you're moping around and feeling all sad for yourself. But it's so powerful. It's so useful to be around a community of people and get involved in a community of people, build relationships that help to strengthen you and encourage you in God. That's the plow. The water, I think of the water, I think tears of repentance. I think going to God and saying, I need you. I need your help. I can't do it on my own. And just turning your life to God and allowing that sort of repentance and allowing that sadness to, to, to seep into your heart, to soften the soil of your heart. And number three, fertilizer is, is, is what we need to, to soften our hearts. Um, and when I think of that, I think of prayer and I think of devotion. Um, in Matthew, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, even if you're, if you're, if you're a, not a Christian or you're wondering about Christianity or you're thinking about the possibility of God or you or a, a dyed-in-the-wool Christian that's been a Christian all your life, you know, it just, just try praying. Just try it because there's absolutely no harm in it at all. I mean, the first time that I really prayed before I was a Christian, my prayer was this. God, if you're listening, if you're real, if you're there, I want 
to talk to you. If you are not there or you don't exist, then I'm just sitting here in my room all by myself talking to the walls and no one knows it. So no harm done. And then I was able to pray because I acknowledge, I acknowledge the possibility that I wasn't praying to anyone. Uh, but you know, God answered for me, God answered that prayer and and started to draw me to him and started to bring me to him and soften my heart to him and allowed me to open up my life and allow his word and his love to sink deep, deep down and devotion is the other part of the, the fertilizer. It's uh, in Psalm chapter one. It says, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on that instruction day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. You know, when we read the scriptures and we spend time, I love that. I love that we go through big, massive chunks of scripture at this church because, I mean, that's the good stuff. That's where we're going to. That's the stuff that will really sink into our hearts and change our hearts. So if you can spend some time during the week in devotion, maybe with your wife or your husband or by yourself or, or with your kids, just take some time, get in the scripture, read a passage, talk about it. It doesn't have to be a big old lengthy passage, but, but just spending some time in the scripture and trying to discern what God is trying to communicate to you, that will soften your heart. That will get down into your heart and will help to, to soften it and to shake out some of that hard stuff down there and shake out some of those weeds. So, so these are the three things, you know, that I think we, Jesus is telling us, look, if you've got a hard heart, you've got a shallow heart, you've got a crowded heart, listen to this parable and try to get your heart to where you are. You have a fertile heart. You have a, a rich, loving, open, fertile heart where God's truth and God's love can come down inside of you and turn you into something that you're not. Amen? I want to just read you one, one scripture as we close. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 18. Paul writes, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I mean, that's the real point of this whole sermon is that, and of this whole parable, Jesus wants you to know how much he loves you. And you can't fathom how deep and how wide and how long that love is if your heart is hard or if it's shallow or if it's crowded, that's why he wants you to break it up and have an open heart because that's only then can you really understand and comprehend and receive this amazing life transforming love of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the instruction. We thank you for the love that you want to share with us. And God, we ask you that you will help us this week 
and in the future going forward to do those things that we can do to prepare our hearts for your love, to prepare our hearts to receive your love and to receive your word into us. If our hearts are hard, God, please help us to to plow that hard heart, to open up that heart, to expose those stones and those thorns and those thistles and weeds and all those things in our lives that make it make our heart uh, unavailable to you. Help us, Lord, to to reach out to you, to reach out to community, to reach out to counsel, to pray, oh God, to do devotionals, just to do these kinds of things, not because, you know, they're works that we think we have to do, but Lord, just to just to expose our heart so that we can ultimately experience the depth, the breadth and the and, and the length of your love for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that you encourage us throughout the week and that you give us strength throughout the week and that you show your love to us and that we can feel your love and we can feel your presence around us and in us. And God, we ask that that you would be with us this week and that what we would do and that what we would say and that what we think would glorify you. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have a time right now in our service.